Business and Buckets, we are live, episode 100, as things will be changing, we are going MMA only, this is the first MMA only podcast, no longer covering NFL, MLB, NBA, college football, the whole spill, looking to narrow the audience, nicheify, so to speak, and we'll be running the UFC and MMA overall show like I have. Uh, previously in the MMA segments of Business and Buckets, but uh, working on new logos, some new branding, getting some things handled, also in the midst of getting ready to move to AZ. So lots going on in the world of Shane Gillette and Business and Buckets, but excited to see the show formulate. I think this is for the best. And you hardcore MMA fans, we are going to talk so much MMA, have a lot of fun. Uh, the future and vision of the podcast, I'm super, super fired up for it. So excited for you guys to be along on the journey. But before we talk sports, we're still going to talk the one and only sponsor here at um, Business at Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. So whether you guys are trying to run a 4040, lift 400 pounds, or enjoy life for another 40 years, Fueled Supplements has a variety of products that align exactly to your specific goals. Head to fueledsupplements.com Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off all products. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. You know, I'm fired up today. It's a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. I'm heading to the Mariners Padres tonight, which should be a dandy. Padres and Mariners both vying for playoff positioning. And, uh, you know, I feel great. And a lot of that has to do with field supplements. I started my day with the workout, took some protein, had a daily multi my field uh, greens with a fat burner. So I'm living it, right? I'm seeing it. I'm witnessing it. I highly recommend you guys to check them out if you haven't. Um, not just because they're my sponsor, a good friend, a small business, supporting small business, and it's good price. You know, save some money while doing it. Check them out. If you have any questions, let me know. I'd love to help guide you to what, what kind of subs would make sense for you. But let's jump right in. Uh, no PFL action. Bellator next week, not this week. Uh, we're going to recap UFC 279 and preview the fight in the Apex, uh, fight night in, in the Apex back in Vegas this coming weekend. Um, and there wasn't a ton of fights that have been announced, uh, although none. A lot of fights are announced later today or early tomorrow. And as I, I, I change this branding, you know, ideally we might even do two pods a week where we do the recap plus a preview towards the, the later half in the week. Uh, to be able to catch some of this fight news and announcements. Because doing Tuesday, we're missing a lot. Obviously, there's the Dana White Contender Series going on right now. We won't have that till next week because that is tonight. So, um, in the world of MMA, we do have some news. The road to the UFC flyweight semifinals will happen October 23rd, right after the Abu Dhabi uh, stacked, stacked UFC 282 card. Um, so, that'll be happening October 23rd. We're in the semifinals. And then, um, brutal news yesterday in the MMA world, Elias Theodoro, uh, had passed via cancer. I think it was Colin cancer and, um, a guy that was an ultimate fighter alum had been through lots of great things said by fighters on social media. The one that caught my eye was, uh, Michael, Ch uh, Chiesa. Uh, he had talked about it as well, but, um, you know, hate to see that guys, you know, happening to somebody so young, prayers to his family, friends, and loved ones. 
elsewhere just because it's my guy. We had Bryce Misfit Meredith fighting the LFA on Friday, and it didn't take much for him to get the victory. He gets the win via round one rear naked choke. Got my Misfit merch. Check out Bryce Meredith on Instagram. Uh, Misfit Mafia is his brand, and uh, he just had some new merch drop shorts, T-shirts, the whole nine wrestling gear. I, I got a shirt to represent. I'll be wearing that on the pod one of these days. Again, hope to be able to, to sync up with him, talk his story to the MMA, and maybe even have like a fight companion or something of that in Phoenix when I, when I head down that way this winter. So Dana White Contender Series is tonight. Uh, obviously, we'll break down what happens this past week, next week. Um, but all fighters did make weight yesterday. We get Marnique Mann representing the 406 Montana representing. Love to see it. Um, and then there are three weeks left for the Dana White Contender Series. The last week, the, the main event headlined by Bo Nickel getting a second Dana White Contender Series shot this, this season in hopes to get another shot at that UFC contract. But that's it for news. Not a lot of lot of shit popping off. But we did have UFC 279 go down. I was a little turnt. I had some fun. You got a Nate Diaz on the card. You, you got to turn up. I went 6-3 in my picks on this card. Some impressive wins that we didn't dive into the fights. Uh, Norma Dumont with a nice win early on in, I believe, the early prelims. Uh, Jayton Almeida. This guy is going to be a household name sooner than later. Um, you know, he, he probably should have been on the main card. He was even an underdog, I believe, in this fight. He had a round one submission via rear naked uh, choke as well. And then um, this week, Sadiq Youssef trying to get a fight not looking uh, likely. He did have um, Giga Chikadze pull out due to injury. He had flown to Vegas in hopes of getting a fight this week. It's not looking like that's happened. Uh, so we will leave him off our preview of the Apex card. But let's start reviewing 279 in the prelims. What a fucking showing by Chris Barnett with a second round TKO over Jake Collier. And I had taken Jake in my pick, so, so I started this off with a, a with an L. Um, but this fight started pure chaos. I mean, both fighters clanging and banging coming out. You can see Chris. You know, he's a, a really round, stocky guy putting his head down and just unleashing Jake going in, using his length, using his size. And Jake landed some big shots, knocked down Barnett, came in aggressive, tried to get him, tried to ground and pound. He was looking for the early finish, and I think he gassed himself out a little bit. Um, I think that uh, Jake probably should have stuck more to his game plan. I think this being a short notice... Jake wanting to come in and, you know, he, you, you knock a guy down early. You want to go in, go early for the finish, but you can't empty your tank. Jake has fought in lower weight classes. He's fighting in heavyweight. He's got some extra weight on himself. You empty the tank. Anyone has an opportunity. This is the UFC. This is the best platform of martial arts in the world. You got to stick to the game plan sometimes. Put him up against the cage, right? You know, he was on top of Barnett for a while, gassing him out. Do that again so that you could go in and get your finish. Um, but, uh, you know, props to the heart and determination of Barnett, especially after the news, I think it came out this past week of his fiance passing away hours before his last bout. He didn't tell anybody. I mean, this gave Barnett another opportunity after he goes in round two, um, with a, a very tired Collier comes out aggressive, 
was able to get Jake down and get the finish himself. So completely different situations in each round. Jake being a little bit overly aggressive, didn't stick to his typical game plan, ended up costing him. But fucking bravo to Barnett. I mean, the heart, the determination, the news that had happened. I mean, you, you couldn't ask for more. And as a fight fan, this is just the stories that you love to see, especially in the UFC. You don't get a lot of these stories elsewhere. And, uh, you know, he was able to enjoy himself some mic time. He's always a, a crazy MC, so to speak. It's the fans riled up. Gets the front flip, the, the front flip after the victory and uh, was able to get the job done. So props to Barnett here. Statistically, he landed 83 total and 56 significant strikes compared to Jake's 57 total and 51 significant strikes with a knockdown. He also had a takedown in that submission attempt. So after this fight, Jake is now on a two-fight losing streak. He is one and two this year, so he's been very active. He doesn't mind taking short notice fights. While Chris starts a new winning streak, he is one and one this calendar year and two and two since entering the UFC. What is next for the big dogs? I would love to see Chris take on William Knight. I think that would be a ton of fun. While Jake could take on Justin Taffa, somebody that he hasn't fought because he's fought a lot of people in the heavyweight division. Moving on, the Washington local. Uh, you know, he doesn't train in Washington anymore, but the, the original 206 born and raised Julian Arosa with a unanimous decision over Hakeem Dawudu. And this was a very interesting situation before the fight started. Dawudu missed weight. He probably got lost in the headlines because of the, you know, jumbulation of cards. And let's just break that down quickly. So before this happens, we have three fights. Pretty stoked about it. Everyone's getting stuff done before weigh-ins. It was reported that Kamzat wasn't going to make weight, was going to attempt to. I believe it was eight and a half pounds he was overweight. Clearly didn't look like it affected him, but there was a situation where Nate is not going to fight Kamzat at eight and a half pounds overweight um, in his final fight of his contract. So uh, the matchmakers got to do some switching. Originally, the fans thought because of the way people had weighed in, uh, Rodriguez and Holland had a catchweight bout at uh, 180 pounds that it would make sense for Kamzat to fight Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez to fight Lee Jing Leong, and then lastly have the fight of Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson, two legends, pretty much the bout that everybody had been asking for for the last fight for Diaz. But let's see if it happened, right? I'm on my phone all day Friday after weigh-ins. This is why I hate putting parlays in before the weekend. I ended up losing my parlay on some college football anyways, but you never know with weigh-ins. People miss weight. People, you know, passing out, trying to cut weight or whatever the situations can be or even injury. And it becomes official. Dana announces it on SportsCenter live on Instagram. What a world we live in. And uh, that those are the three fights that happen. And I'm more excited for this pay-per-view. I was so fired up at the prelims. I'm drinking some wine. Slapped the wine just out of emotions. Fell on my laptop. I was going to stream the fights without paying for them. Ended up paying for them. I had to watch Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz. I wanted to see what Kevin Holland can do. And I love me some Lee Jing Leong and Daniel Rodriguez. Always, always a good time. So um, that's, that's the way things shook down. But with all that chaos, I mean, one of the more chaotic week or days in UFC history Dana White even said after the bout in his press conference after the card, so glad that the, today's over. You know, it, it had been so much nutty chaos. 
the fights that happened that canceled the press conference the day before, you know, especially poor Li Jingliang rocking the new swaggered suit, doesn't get a rocket for the press conference, has to fight a guy that weighs in 10 pounds heavier, and we'll break down how his fight went in a second. But here is Hakeem Dawudu. I mean, a fighter that that's definitely thought highly of, especially myself. You know, he's a very talented fighter, pretty well-rounded, more of a striker. Comes in, I think it was three, three and a half pounds overweight. A lot of the times the opponents won't take that. That's a lot. Um, but he was fined a percent of his purse going to a Rosa, deservedly so. And what a fucking UFC career Rosa's had. In and out of the UFC, right? Battling on a on a nice little win streak, especially after this win. Fighting a very tough Dawoodoo. He, he misses weight. He, he ends up taking the fight because that's what dogs do. And Julian Arosa is a dog. But anyways, I'm thinking, well, why couldn't he make weight? I know he struggled in the past. You know, he's in his 30s now. How much energy is he going to have? Because Julian's pretty good everywhere. He's well-rounded. He's tough. He's durable. So let's see how it shakes out. Obviously, I took Dawoodoo in my picks. That didn't pay off. And uh, I thought this fight just showcased how good Arosa is right now. I think he, sh he had the best performance he's ever had in the UFC. And uh, wrestling and grappling was on point. You know, he was fighting a, a striker first when it comes to the martial arts. And uh, he was able to, to, to make it pay off to grind Hakeem out through three rounds. And in the fight, Julian took control early in round one. But later in round one, early in round two, Hakeem is trying to get comfortable, right? He has that long jab. It's fast. It's powerful. And it's, when it would start landing, Julian would, would, would look to get some kind of half-assed takedown attempts just to make a fake takedown, go in, get him against the cage, then get the takedown. And I think, you know, that's always a great game plan to have, but just well executed. And he was able to get some easy takedowns, Julian was. I thought he looked more comfortable and smooth than he has. In, in my memory, you know, I'd, I haven't gone back and watched all of his fights. He's had quite a few in the UFC and his few stints with the UFC. Um, but against the competition like Dawoodoo, I was massively impressed. I mean, you know, obviously living here in Seattle, this will be my ninth year here this fall, October, uh, next month before I move. You, you always love representing the 206. And, and this guy from Yakima, been in Spokane, he, he just shows the grit and toughness from those neck of the woods. Statistically, Julian landed 152 and 92 significant strikes with two takedowns, although specifically six attempts, but a lot of those were just to have Dawoodoo thinking about it. Uh, so landed a lot of volume, was clean. And Hakeem landed 90 total and 74 significant strikes with a reversal of his own. So now Julian extends his winning streak to three. He is five and one since his... Um, redemption tour sort of so to speak in the UFC and Hakeem starts a new losing streak and is one and one this year in 2022 so what's next well for Julian I think he's ready for a big step up he's ready I think he, you know he's five and one in his return he's not going to go anywhere uh, he's in his prime I would love to see him take on Nathaniel Wood who is new to the weight class I think that would just be pure chaos and fight fans would love to see it and for Hakeem, I think he could take on Daniel Pineda if he continues to fight at featherweight. But just like what we'll talk about with Kamzat, all the weight issues, you're 31 years old. It's not going to get any easier. 
Uh, it might be time to switch divisions, uh, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving up for him is going to be tough because there's some big boys up there, but he has the frame to put on the size. That would you know be my recommendation if I was his coach. And that was the prelims. Heading in the main card, we had my dog on the parlay, Johnny Walker out there paying dog props and parlays with a first-round sub submission over Ion Kutalaba via rear naked choke. And this was a performance of the night. I honestly thought this fight had a fight of the night potential. I thought it would go further. Um, and really, the, the, the way the fight started is how I expected it to. Johnny going to have to withstand a quick burst of combos, wrestling attempts from Kutalaba. You know, his nickname's The Hulk. He likes to come out aggressive. And uh, he was able to get his own takedown, get the back, sink in a rear naked choke, using that size and length that Johnny has at light heavyweight. And he wasn't, you know, didn't have to take much damage, which is always a win. I'd love to see him back in the octagon sooner than later. A lot of drama post-fight as it went viral that Johnny was supposedly kicked out of the arena. He was in the streets with no shoes on, his UFC fight gear. Um, Dana White said in the uh, post-card uh, press conference that there's no way they would kick Johnny Walker out. So I'm interested to know what the actual facts here are. Uh, but regardless, pure dominance by Johnny Walker against a very good Kutalaba. And, you know, Kutalaba is only 28 years old. I'm sure we'll see him back better than ever. Statistically, Johnny landed 17 total and three significant strikes with the takedown. Uh, he did have three submission attempts and a reversal compared to Ian's 17 total, three significant strikes and a takedown of his own. Now, Johnny starts a new winning streak after that brutal two-fight losing streak. He is 2-3 and three since 2020. He does move two spots up in the light heavyweight rankings to number 11. And uh, Eon has now, is now on a two-fight losing streak. He is a very pedestrian 1-2-1 and one in his last four fights. But again, only 28 years old, fought a lot of stiff competition. I'm sure we'll see him back. So what is next for these gentlemen? How about Jimmy Crew or Paul Craig for Johnny Walker, the veteran or another young fighter? Um, like I said, I could expect him to be in the octagon fairly quickly again this year. I'd love to see him take on Paul Craig. And for Ian, how about a matchup versus Tyson Pedro? I think that would be a ton of fun. That would be a fucking banger. And then moving on, we had Irene Aldana with a third round TKO over Macy Chiasson, Chiasson, uh, which was a performance of the night as well. And I was very intrigued on this fight. You know, I was hesitant to put this on any kind of parlay. And it was a very interesting fight overall. I mean, I expected it to be close, but golly, was this one fucking close. But also it changed to a catchweight fight. Late in the week, Macy requested that it was a catchweight fight. Both fighters have fought catchweight fights. You know, they're technically in featherweight which is not very deep in the women's uh, MMA. So they had that happen, right? You know, there's, again, something that probably got lost in the sauce after all the chaos with the cancellation of the press conference and the weigh-ins. Um, but round one, Aldana was able to outstrike Shiasen. I thought she was able to defend her wrestling well. She's known for having good wrestling takedown defense. She used her length. She had that jab working, had some good leg kicks going on. And I was like, okay, Irene's looking as good as, you know, as advertised. Round two, Macy 
you know, probably had some good pep talk in the corner. Uh, but she made this Macy's kind of fight. She was aggressive. She looked to wear on Aldana as she was able to take her down twice. And then round three was very identical to round two. Macy with a lot of control. Macy with some ground and pound. Until Aldana was laying on her back in guard and landed an upkick right to Macy's liver and completely shut her down. She crumbled, fell down. Aldana was able to get up, land some shots for the TKO victory. Not something you see happen very often, but just shows you how dangerous you could be on your back with those upkicks. And really, you know, Aldana's good everywhere. She's good on her back. She's good on top. She's good on her feet. You know, she's going to be a tough out. And a lot of people are calling for her versus Nunez next. Statistically, Aldana landed 51 total and 37 significant strikes with two submission attempts and a knockdown compared to Macy's 72 total, 39 significant, and three takedowns, although in eight attempts. So Irene is now on a two-fight winning streak. She is 2-1 and one since 2020. Uh, she hasn't been very active, and two of those fights have been at 140. Catchweight fights. While Macy starts a new losing streak, she is 3-2 and two since 2020, so hasn't been overly active as well. And mostly, most of her fights have been featherweight or catchweight as well. So is Aldana versus Nunez next? I don't think, I mean, potentially, I mean, what does Nunez want to do? What does Dana want to do? Do they want her to defend 45, which is kind of there just because of Nunez? Um, it's not like the flyweight division, right? Supposedly, Henry Cejudo was the savior. They're going to cut it out. Look at how much fun fights have been booked there. Look at the talent, the speed, the just, it's deep. I love it. Now we have this flyweight competition to have someone earn a, comp uh, a UFC contract. The featherweight situation isn't quite like that. The only thing that's really relevant in featherweight is um, Amanda Nunez and also PFL champion Kayla Harrison. So, um, I'm not too sure if that will be the next move. Uh, so if not, Norma, Dum Norma Dumont makes sense. She just had a win on this card as well. So timelines should match up. And for Macy, I think, uh, Josanne Nunez, she's looked good. She's in the division. They haven't matched up yet. That would be the fight to make if I were the matchmaker. Then we had the three last second changes, starting with Daniel Rodriguez with a split decision over Li Jingliang. I did get this fight wrong. I ended up taking Li Jingliang, Kamzat Chemaev, and Nate Diaz in the last second changes there. Um, but again, brutal week for uh, Jingliang. I think he hasn't lost any stock with the loss here, and I think he's just become more of a fan favorite. A lot of people haven't talked about him. I've liked him since I first saw him fight. His aggressive nature... Uh, his durability, his power shots, his his skill everywhere uh, in the octagon. But it was all about the new suit. He gets the fitted suit, people watching and embedded. You know, a lot of eyes here from Kamzat and Nate Diaz. Maybe not as, you know, um, I guess not casual fans, but um, not as like MMA diehards, right? Um, that are Nate Diaz fans and Kamzat fans have known about Lee. He gets the custom suit. They have the cancel press conference. Then he has to fight D-Rod, who is 10 pounds heavier than him. Lee doesn't give a shit. He figures it out. He does it. And in this fight, the whole time I'm thinking Lee's got the dub. Lee controlled the octagon. He outstriked Daniel. He took him down. 
and somehow suffered a split decision loss. I thought Lee was the aggressor in this fight. Again, controlling the octagon. I thought if we go on a round-by-round -round basis, one and three, those are Lee's rounds. Statistically, he outstruck them. Again, you're controlling the octagon. You're landing more damage. That's really where the score is. Okay, well, we could debate that D-Rod won round two, but I thought the takedown by Lee at the end of that round was awfully, was going to make it really close to, to even give that to D-Rod. Plus, I thought, again, Lee landed the bigger shots with more damage throughout the fight. The only debate is maybe the total strikes, which the UFC website always has strikes. It's hard to say. You know, I give them to you guys just for perspective. But in this example, they say D-Rod landed 89 total and 88 significant. There's no way that 88 of those were significant. They had Lee Jing Liang with 78 total and significant and the takedown. Not every strike was significant, in my opinion. Um, statistically, did he outstrike him? Potentially. A lot of that was in round two. But again, this is a round-by-round -round basis. Dana White was shocked. Most people on Twitter that I would give any credibility to are shocked. I'm just very surprised. Props to D-Rod, though. I mean, we're not trying to just rub D-Rod through the, through the mud here. He had to take a last-second fight as well. Although he was he heavier, we know the leech is a fucking problem. And uh, he said, everyone said that I lost. Let's fucking run it back. I doubt that'll happen. I want to be upset if it did. So, you know, props to him for, for um, willing to do whatever the fuck it takes. But uh, post this fight, D-Rod now on a four-fight winning streak. Even though this was his first bout this year, he does move into the rankings at number 14. Obviously, the Leech starts a new lo losing streak. He has two and two since 2021. And he drops out of the top 15 rankings. That's the only thing that really affects him. Now, I want to be upset with the rematch here, but I think Lee Jing Liang, Vicente Luque, that's the fight to make. That's fucking must see. Grab your popcorn, hide your kids, hide your wife. Um, and again, D Rod said he'd, he'd do the rematch. I'm not upset with that. I just, I don't think that's going to happen for some reason. And I think Daniel Rodriguez versus Kevin Holland should be rebooked. That would still be a, a blast of a fight. Regardless, uh, you got to feel for Lee. The Leech only get, get, gained some fans this weekend, in my opinion, and I'm excited to see what he does next. And props to D-Rod. Still taking the fight. You know, getting some bash here. He said, fuck it, let's run it back. It is what it is. Both stand-up scholars and gents. Then we had the Kamzat show. The first round submission over Kevin Holland. And before we even talk about this fight, as much as I'm giving Lee credit, you got to give Holland credit. He took this fight against a man that nobody wants to fuck with. Chemayev wasn't close to making weight. I think the UFC should make him fight up a weight class with all these weight issues. And I hope Kevin Holland got the bag. He, I hope to God he got paid. I'm sure he did. I don't think there are five fighters, a handful of fighters in the UFC that would have took, taken this fight on short notice. Again, maybe the money was so big, other people would have. But to go from fighting Daniel Rodriguez to Kamzat Chemaev in a matter of hours is straight savagery. And that's why you got to love Big Mouth, right, Kevin Holland? He shows up. He's entertaining. 
I just wish we could have saw the fight go and not this the way this started. I mean, I'm still kind of irritated. Kevin Holland goes in for the glove tap. Chemayev goes to fake it, goes right for the takedown. He, he, he gets that crazy body lock he had Holland, Holland throwing him around. Kevin's doing everything he can to fucking reverse it. He's very active. He doesn't stop moving. Well, Chemayev was able to get the submission choke. It was an arm choke on top. Didn't last very long. We didn't get to see much. And I, I just fucking hate that it went that way. Especially the fl- the fake glove. Like, Chemayev, man, is just losing. He he doesn't give a shit. He misses weight. He talks all the shit. Then he goes in and has a cheap shot. Like, bro, come on. Is he talented? Absolutely. Is he probably going to be a champ one day? Absolutely. Does he need to move up weight classes? Absolutely. I just hate that this is the way it went out. Especially for Kevin Holland. Stats-wise, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. Chemayev landed one total strike. He had two takedowns, although five attempts. Two submission attempts. And then Holland didn't have any. He was just defending a takedown, right? No strikes. So Kamzat's undefeated, still 12-0. Holland ends his two-fight winning streak, even though this loss doesn't count too much for him in my way, in in my opinion. Nothing bad here, but it is what it is. Statistically, his win streak's over. So, I'm just going to say Kamzat doesn't fight in this weight class. It's already been reported. His coach is talking to him about moving up. He's, he's had brutal weight cuts. You could tell he's fucking massive for this weight class. So, the UFC is top three in his class. I would assume at middleweight he would get a top-level opponent. So, the fight for me is Kamzat, Chemaev, and Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. Golly, that would be fun. And I hope Jared whacks the fuck out of him. But that's a fight I want to see. Sean Shelby, Dana White, make it happen. Some people are saying Paula Costa. I want to be upset with that, but I think they're going to give him a a higher-ranked opponent. And for Holland, again, I like the rebooking of D-Rod. I think that makes sense. They could run it back pretty quickly. D-Rod, you know, obviously had a three-round fight, but I think we'll be able to fight at least late this year, early next year. And Kevin Holland, I mean... No damage. He just got, you know, taken down and put in the Chemayev body lock, basically. But then we get the legacy fight. The fight that happened oh too late. This is Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, past their prime, UFC edition, MMA edition. But Nate Diaz Army stand up. He gets the fourth round submission over Tony Ferguson via guillotine choke. I still can't believe the way this shit went down, but the the fight was pretty much similar round to round. Nate was using his length like he should. He was getting jabs in, landing some nice clean shots. You could see it was wearing on Tony's face. Nate's doing or Tony's doing his weird movements that he always does. He's creating space. He is getting in when he does uh, close that space, land some pretty good combos. But right once the fight started, fucking Tony throws a huge kick. Nate checks it perfectly, slice opens Tony's chin. It's a fucking fountain of blood throughout the whole fight. It only gets worse and worse round by round. Uh, but Tony throughout these rounds was fucking Nate's legs up. Nate even talked about it in the post-fight press conference. He's got that wide stance, and he's just chopping away, chopping away. And uh, Tony's not afraid to fucking hurt his own leg to, to land a leg shot on you. But when it comes to damage, 
octagon control, total strikes each round, Nate was cruising his way to victory. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't looked back and scored each round, but I feel like Nate pretty much won every round. Maybe one round Tony had in there that was very, very close, but Nate was on his way to victory. So round four, obviously Tony has taken some damage. His eyes all bloodied up. His shins all bloodied up. His face looks beat up. And Tony, I don't know. I'm just very concerned about his durability. But when he does take shots, he like shakes his head. I know at one point he was doing it because he had the blood in his eye. But that that to me seems like he's been hit too many times. I just I hate that. It doesn't look good. It makes me just die inside, especially. I love El Kukui. He's one of my favorite fighters. His stretch run at lightweight. God, I just wish he had an opportunity versus Khabib. Um, but round four, he, he halfway through the round decides to go for a takedown, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it was a half-assed takedown. Obviously he trained for a three round fight. Nate had trained for a five round fight. Nate's fucking Iron Man. Or right as he goes down, boom, guillotine. Uh, Nate looks to just lock it up. Tony doesn't have a lot of fight left him, left in him. I think he's pretty gassed. Right as he has it in, he's flexing for the cameras, right? Doing the Nate DS. We're all fucking hyped. And it was a fun fight. It was a good fight. I'm happy that's the way Nate went down. MMA fans, we can all cheers and have a good time. Um, but golly, man, Tony Ferguson, he, I'm concerned. Statistically, Nate landed 101 total and significant strikes with a submission attempt while Tony landed 80 total and significant strikes with the takedown and three attempts. So Nate now ends his UFC contract on a one-fight winning streak. He was 2-2 two and two since 2019. Obviously wasn't very active. And uh, 2019 is when the last Conor McGregor fight happened. Tony now is on a five-fight losing streak. He hasn't won since June of 2019. He's still in the rankings. He moves down four spots to 15. But uh, I, I don't know how that'll change. You know, Tony says, Tony talks about, he says he's back. He's like, I'm back, Joe. I feel great. I got some things to work on, but I'm back. I'm super excited. I feel great at welterweight. I just didn't see it. I thought he looked better in the Chandler fight. Again, I'm, I don't think he lo he's taking damage well. I think it's he's too tough for his own good, and someone needs to get him out of there. If Dana does give him another fight, I'd expect him to fight someone like Nico Price at welterweight that's been up and down as well, fighting for their lives. I just, I think it's his time. Meanwhile, Nate on the mic, right? We're all excited to see what he says. He talks about doing shit that nobody can. He wants to start his own fight promotion. He said maybe he'll come back to the UFC for a title shot. I don't expect him to fight in the UFC again. I would be highly, highly surprised if that ever happens. Maybe a Jake Paul boxing match for a bunch of money. Maybe uh, Conor McGregor elsewhere. I don't know. I enjoyed the time. You know, they've been through a lot of shit. But I'm glad that he got to go out without fighting Kamzat. But a crazy card. Crazy 48 hours. 72 hours from Thursday through fight night. The canceled press. The, the changing of cards. Bravo to the UFC brass, everyone involved to get this card through. 
They said that you could have had a refund, but they ended up selling more tickets. I was more excited by the way these fights played out. But golly, the only thing I feel after the weekend is please, Tony, retire. Um, I wish we actually would have saw Kevin Holland and Kamzat fight and Lee Jingliang got robbed. But we're back in action this Saturday. UFC fight night back in the shitty apex of Vegas on ESPN+. Plus. It's a 4 p.m. main card start. There's some some decent fights on here. It's it's a deep card. There's quality fights. But I'm not going to talk about a lot of these fights. I don't know. I was going to. I was going to have a huge breakdown. But honestly, I'm like, would I recommend somebody to watch these fights? Am I going to tune in on my Saturday? Like, if I had something going on, I got to tune in. Not necessarily. Um, I'll pull them up to give you guys the opponents. I just have the, the fighters that I usually kind of tune into. So when I break down fights, I'm giving you guys fights that I think you should watch, or maybe there's one fighter that I'm super tuned into. There's some decent fighters in here, but I, I'm not breaking them down. Uh, the first fight at lightweight, we have Nicholas Moda, Cam Cameron Van Camp. Nicholas Moda is the favorite. I like Moda. He looked pretty solid. He's young in his UFC career, but we're not going to break that down. Um, Tony Gray Gravely looked good in his last fight. He's he's fighting an undefeated Javid Bashra at bantamweight, a stacked class. That's an inter intriguing fight. Uh, J Jillian Robertson, I've been watching her for a long time. She's the favorite taking on Maria Agapova. Don't know if I've seen her fight or not. Uh, Trevin Giles is fighting. You know, he's been a veteran. He's been around for some time. He's fighting Luis Koshi, believe in his UFC debut. And then Anthony Hernandez uh, is taking on Mark andre Beralt. Anthony Hernandez is the, the, the favored fighter here. So some decent fights happened in the prelims. We're not going to dive into them all. Again, I, I think this is where, where the, the meat of the bones is. This is where you should spend your time, and that's on the main card. We got... Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer, 31 years old with a 28-1 record, taking on Rodrigo Zaykolmea Nascimento Fieta, 29 years old with a 9-1 record. Now, this is going to be a banger of a fight to get the main card started, man. I believe this one is not going to go the distance. Both of these guys have serious knockout power. And this is Bozer's first fight since June of last uh, last year. So it's been over a year since he's fought. He's in his fighting prime. He's in a big need for momentum. And I think he's taken this time off to improve his craft, which I love to see. I know that he did have a fight against Romanov booked, pulled out due to injury. So again, that's, that's what I'm hoping. Tanner, he has a kickboxing background, a black belt in Shido Ryu Karate, a purple belt in BJJ. He's on a one-fight winning streak. He does have a four and a half inch reach advantage in this fight. 11 of his 20 wins are via knockout. And he is an M1 and King of the Cage alum. Rodrigo trains out of the dogs at ATT, American top team. He has a purple belt in BJJ. He won his last fight via technical knockout, but it was overturned because he tested positive for rhytolinic acid which doesn't seem to be really much of a P performance enhancer. That's why he, he's not getting knocked for that. But it's it's obviously, uh, you know, you can't test that. That's, that's a banned substance. So something's going on there. Um, he was a, or he is a Dana White Contender Series alum. He's 2-1-1 one one in his last four fights. 
and six of his eight wins are via submission, which is kind of crazy at heavyweight. Again, I expect to see a very improved Bozer here. I believe both fighters are going to have their moments, but I'm going to go with Tanner via knockout, man. Again, 31 years old, right in his fighting prime. He's fought some dogs. He is a dog. Um, I don't know a ton about this Rodrigo guy. He's got some serious power. He could end Tanner's night any given moment, but I'm taking Bozer. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Andre Touchy Feely, 32 years old with a 21-9 and record. And, oh, yeah, another 206 local federal way in the house. Taking on Bill Senor Perfecto Algeo, 33 years old with a 16-6 and record. Now, this is going to be an interesting fight. Both fighters have been around the UFC for a while. They're kind of going in different directions at the moment. But stylistically, this should be a great matchup. Two guys that have been around, they fought a lot of competition in their prime, and the time is now for them to move up in the rankings and have a title shot. Andre, he trains at a Team Alpha Mel. He is a uh, 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 King of the Cage and CCFC alum. He is on a two-fight losing streak and had a no contest as well due to an accidental eye poke. He hasn't won a fight since June of 2020, which was against... Charles Air Jordan, and nine of his 21 wins are via knockout. Bill is a black belt in BJJ. He is a CFCC World Series of Fighting, Ring of Combat, and Dana White Contender Series alum. I mean, these guys have been everywhere. He was a former Ring of Combat champion with three successful title defenses. Six of his 14 wins are via submission. And he is on a two-fight winning streak all this year in 2022. So he's been active. I think this fight's going to go all three rounds. And I think it's going to be fucking war. I wouldn't be surprised if it came all the way down to the wire. Whoever finishes stronger wins. I believe Andre is better, definitely, at striking than Bill. Bill's on a nice winning streak, though. And he's going to be full of confidence. He's been active. He's on a roll. And, you know, sometimes taking these losses, even the fight he was looking good. I'm referring to um, Andre. He had the no contest with an eye poke. So um, that always, you know, vibes, energy, momentum is definitely a huge thing in fighting. If you don't believe you're the best man and you're going to win, you probably won't. But I think Andre is going to come out aggressive. I think he's going to find a way. I'm taking Andre touchy-feely. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread holy shit this fucking fight man we got chidi Nokwani, 33 year old fighter with a 22 and 7 record taking on gregory robocop rodriguez 30 years old with a 12 and 4 record now i think this could be fight of the night both fighters are in their primes both fighters very well rounded and possess some serious Knock you the fuck out, power. Chidi, he's got a Muay Thai background. He's an orthodox fighter. He's a former kickboxer. He is on a four-fight winning streak with the last two of them being Performance of the Night Awards. Three of his four uh, last wins are in the UFC. He is an LFA, Bellator, RFA, and King of the Cage alum. 14 of his 22 wins are via knockout. And he does have a very impressive 
five-inch reach advantage in this fight. Now, Gregory is a black belt in BJJ. He is an LFA and Dana White Contender Series alum. He didn't get a contract from uh, the Contender Series, so he went back to the LFA, became the champion, and then got into the UFC. He is on a one-fight winning streak and is 3-1 in his UFC tenure. Six of his 12 wins are via knockout, four via submission, so 10 of his 12 fights have been via finish. And, you know, like the Andre fight, both these fighters have come from reputable, reputable promotions. They're both Dana White Contender Series alums. Chidi in his last few fights has looked tremendously impressive on this win streak. I think Gregory is going to be too much. He's fucking RoboCop. He's durable. He comes at you, and he's a fucking force. I'm taking Gregory. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Moving on. The main event of the evening. We have Corey Sandman Sanhagen. 30 years old with a 14-4 and record. Taking on Song Kung Fu Monkey Yadong. 24 years old with a 19-6-1 record. And I'm really excited about this matchup as well. Song is so experienced, or excuse me, yeah. Song is so experienced that only 24 years old, it's fucking nuts to me. I mean, he's fought some stiff competition. He, he, you know, he's been in some clashes, and he's a staple in this division. Only 24 years old, he's fighting Corey fucking Sandhagen. But Corey's in his prime, just entering his fighting prime. He's fought some brutal competition of late, and that's only elevated his game that much more. Corey trains out of Elevation Fight Team. He's a brown belt in BJJ. He had the 2021 Knockout of the Year versus Frankie Edgar. He has a three-inch reach advantage. He is on a two-fight losing streak, which was Pewter Yan, former champ, and TJ Dillashaw. He hasn't won since 2021. Six of his 14 wins are via knockout, and he is an LFA alum. Now, Song trains out of Team Alpha Male. He has a Sanda and Muay Thai background. He's on a three-fight winning streak. Eight of his 19 wins are via knockout, and he is a 1FC alum. Now, I think the boxing match here is going to be bonkers. Corey and Song are going to be trading shots. I do think Corey has better kicking ability. He's a longer fighter, and I think he's just a little more well-rounded. I think this fight's going to go deep. Each fighter is going to have to really dig, see you know who has more heart here. Um, I expect someone to get a finish in about round four, though. I'm super excited for this fight. I am taking the Sandman. I'm putting Corey Sandhagen on my parlay, marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. But I mean the main card, it's great. Corey Sandhagen fight, the RoboCop fight, banger, the Feely fight, both guys in desperation mode. And Tanner Bozer really on his redemption tour fighting a, a very tough Rodrigo. It's going to be a blast, but you better enjoy it because we have another week break, sadly. Another weekend off before another Apex Vegas fight night card headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Yan Shinyon at the beginning of October. So again, a week off after this weekend's fight. But that's episode 100 the first MMA-only edition. Lots to come. New names, rebranding. I'll put the announcements out as soon as I can. 
but excited to be able to continue this journey with with you guys. Excited uh, for what's next. Thanks for tuning in. And just check out my boy, FueledSupplements.com. You need protein, pre-workout, daily multivitamin. You need a fat burner, whatever it is. Check them out. You can save some money, good price, support small business. That's what it's all about. We'll see you guys next week.